Wonderful. If you've uh, if you've got a Bible, will you turn with me to uh, Genesis twenty eight? Um, I've been doing a series for the past fifty five years um, on the gate of heaven. It's the last one today. Um, uh, the teacher side of me likes doing series, but then the prophetic side gets like two weeks in and I'm like, I want to do something else now. Um, but I, I just want to, I just kind of want to tie this up um, this morning. Um, so we've been, we've been kind of basing um, this uh, series of messages on Genesis 28 verse 11. It says, when Jacob reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. There above it, he stood the Lord. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants a land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I promise you. It's not a bad prophetic word to get, is it? Um, and then verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob wakes up and he comes to the realization, God lives here. This is the house of God. And uh, we know thousands of years later that the, uh, the, the, the fulfillment of that is the church. When we gather together, this is the house of God. Amen. Uh, but not only that, but you as an individual, you are the house of God. God lives in you by his Holy Spirit. And Jacob uh, says that the house of God is the gate of heaven. So we've been saying this over and over again. This morning we have come uh, to a gateway. There is a gate that is open that gives us access into the presence of God, the glory of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God, all that God is, all that God has. Um, we have come to an open gate where we can access heaven this morning. Amen. Um, and so what Jacob sees here is a picture of of what God dreams his church to be. God dreams his church to have an open heaven where angels are moving, where earth is touching heaven, where heaven is touching earth, where God is there, where God is speaking, where God's glory, God's power is. This is what God sees his church being. Um, in fact, hundreds of years after this, um, Jesus calls uh, one of his disciples, Nathaniel, um, in John 1, and Jesus gives Nathaniel a word of knowledge. Um, he says, I've seen you under the fig tree. Now, the, the, uh, the implication is that Nathaniel, uh, no one knew that Nathaniel was under the fig tree. So this was a word of knowledge uh, that Jesus has. And Nathaniel is so blown away by this word of knowledge. He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. And, um, and Jesus' response is basically, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, if a little word of knowledge, that impresses you. He says, you, and he takes Nathaniel right back to Genesis 28. He says, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and you will see the angels of God 
ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So basically, Jesus points to Genesis 28 and he says, this vision that Jacob had, it was all about me. He says, I'm the ladder that the angels are moving up and down on. I'm the gate that gives you access. And I'm the Lord stood at the top of the gate saying, I'm with you and I'm going to bless you. Uh, Basically, Jesus saying to Nathaniel, you are going to see my glory. You haven't seen anything yet. I don't know about you, but does anyone get a sense that we've not even got started? Thank God for the words and knowledge of healings, but we want to see heaven open. We want to see angels. We want to see the glory, the presence of God. We want to see Jesus turning up in his power and glory. Can you say amen? So um, we'll get back and we'll finish on the cool revival, glory, present stuff. Uh, but let me kind of do a, a little bit of uh, a challenging stuff first. So um, uh, this is a verse in Second Chronicles 23. This is about um, a guy called Jehadiah who is rebuilding the temple. And this is what it says. He stationed gatekeepers. Everyone say gatekeepers. Gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple so that no one who was in any way unclean might enter. Um, So what I want to talk about just for a little bit this morning is the gatekeepers. And that's just one verse that I picked, but I could have chosen lots and lots of verses. So God's house, the temple, David, Solomon, all the other priests and kings that came after that were good, they made sure that there were gatekeepers positioned at the gates, obviously, of the house of God to make sure that nothing unclean, nothing impure could get through the gates into the house of God. Do you know that your life, you are a gatekeeper? Do you know that that your body has certain gates? Do you know that your eye is a gate. Your ear is a gate. Your mind is a gate. Your heart, probably the biggest one, your heart is a gate. The most vulnerable place in any ancient city was the gates. And any good wise king, any good wise leader would make sure that the gates were protected, that nothing was allowed through those gates that the king didn't allow there. Every day in our world, in our culture, in our society, your gates and my gates are continually being bombarded by all this stuff that is contrary to God's word and God's kingdom. And we have to be aware of that and we have to make sure that we protect our gates. We have to make sure that we don't allow through the gates of our lives stuff that's going to mess us up. When we understand that, that what I think about, when I, what I look at, what I allow into my heart, what I listen to, they're not just actions in themselves but their consequences that open up gates that can affect my whole life 
That's why the Bible tells us your mind gate. The Bible tells us put on the helmet of salvation. Make sure that your mind is protected. Uh, your eye gate. Jesus um, said this, this amazing statement. He said, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. He's not saying, you know, go to spec savers. He's talking about your eye gate, what you look at, what you focus on. If you focus on the right stuff, your whole body will be full of life. But if you look at and focus on bad stuff, it's going to mess you up. It's going to fill your whole life with darkness. What you listen to, we don't listen to gossip. We don't listen to lies. We don't listen to fear. Why? Because it's not just stuff that we listen to. It's stuff that gets through the ear gate and and, and, and it changes who we are. The, the heart gate, Marion spoke on this a while back, a phenomenal message. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because your heart is a gate. When you allow unforgiveness, jealousy, bitterness, when you allow stuff in, it gets into your... You have, we have to make sure that we protect our gates. I'm not thinking about stuff that's going to mess me up. I'm not looking at stuff that's going to mess me up. I'm not listening to lies and gossip and all this stuff. I've got to keep my heart right with God and with other people because these are gates. And if, I, if, if, I, if there is an access all areas badge to Satan, to the world, over the gates of my life, it's going to ruin my whole life. I want to just uh, go one step further and just speak speak to the parents here this morning. You are a gatekeeper in your home. Um. Anyone here brought up in a Christian family? (laughs) Anyone here brought up in a really Christian family? Anyone brought up in a really, really Christian family? Like my home, it was it was it was a cross between a charismatic prayer meeting and a high security prison. (laughs) And. my my mum, she'll be watching this on live stream. I'm always nervous when I talk about her on live stream, but um, everything was demonic. Um, so it was like, you can't listen to pop music. It's of the devil. Uh, you can't watch that. It's of the devil. Um, I remember, um, can, you, can anyone remember that 80s cartoon, He-Man? Yeah, I remember I watched He-Man one day and the next day my mother got our pastor around to anoint the house with oil to speak the blood of Jesus over us. Um, now listen, I think she, she kind of went a little bit overboard. She's, I think she's kind of some religious fundamentalist. But she understood she was a gatekeeper in our home. And I, I'm not allowing anything. It's like if you wanted to be friends with me, it's like it, it was more security than getting into the Oval Office. It was like you had to have a background check and, all, you know, it's crazy stuff. But um, she, she understood I'm a gatekeeper in my home. And we have, a, we have a, a society now and a culture where parents are making their children make life-altering choices, even about their bodies and everything. It's like, oh, it's their choice that we give them freedom. No, you are a gatekeeper in your home. 
No, we don't have that on TV. No, you don't have that on your tablet, on your phone. Because I understand that while you're in this house and I'm your parent, I am a gatekeeper. What I allow into my home, what I allow into, into, my, into my life, into my family, into, into, into me, I have to understand my pastor is not my gatekeeper. I am a gatekeeper. I am responsible for what I allow through the gates of my life, my home, my family. If you're a leader here, whether it be in the church, whether it be you lead a team, whether it be you have a business, you are a gatekeeper. There are certain things that you have to say, we do not allow allow that through the gates of this of this team we don't allow that 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 thinking and that attitude that's what half the epistles are, are about we, no we don't allow that false teaching we don't allow that division we don't allow that attitude uh, we understand that we take responsibility for the gates of our home our life and our church um, so what, what I want to do just uh, real, real briefly is just to talk about three things that we can do strategically to make sure that our gates are protected. And uh, this is just simple, basic stuff, but I think sometimes the simple stuff we can sometimes neglect, right? Um, so this is, I think it's up here, uh, yeah, uh, Deuteronomy chapter um, 6, we just turn there, I put the, the key scripture on there, but let me just read a couple of verses before that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, in other words, God's word, the Bible, these commandments that I give you today, they are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. And then this is the verse we put up here. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Jewish people took God's word seriously God's word they were like get the Bible get God's word think about it talk about it tell your kids about it write it on the the door frame write it all over your house write it on your forehead write it on your wrist that's how the what would Jesus do wristbands were invented right there for any any 90s youth group kids well it was uh, what would Moses do wasn't it um <laughs> Don't eat bacon. Um, they took God's word seriously. Get God's word and write it on your gates. Do we realize that if the only time we hear or read or pick up God's word is on a Sunday morning through a preacher... There is no protection at all over your gates. You think that every moment of every day through television, through radio, through commercials, through news, through the people that you into contact with, every day our gates are being bombarded by all this stuff from the world and we think that we can protect our gates through listening to a 30-minute preach on a Sunday morning. 
no, it ain't going to happen. We have to take God's word seriously. Now, praise God that we are, in a, we are in a generation where God's word has never been more accessible. You can listen here this morning to the preach, but you can also, you can go home and listen to it again on the podcast. You can listen to podcasts, YouTube videos of preaching all around the world. If you're not, you can read the Bible in all kinds of different translations and paraphrases. If you don't, if you're not a reader, you can get it audio and listen to it in the car. I encourage you to get a journal, write down scriptures, plaster scripture around your house, around your home. Make sure that God's word is, 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 is such an essential part of your life because it's your protection. God's word is your shield. God's word is your sword. God's word is your refuge. It's your safety. It's, it's your defense. And we have to take God's word. We have to focus on it, listen to it, meditate on it, speak on it. We have, we have Sunday mornings. We have midweek courses. We've got another one starting this week. All kinds of opportunities online stuff all kinds of things where where you can get God's word in you why is it so important not because we're bored and we don't have anything else to do but we are we know that the importance of guarding our gates and when we take God's word and we it, it becomes a central thing in our lives we're protecting our mind our ears our hearts our whatever the other ones were. We're, we're. we're protecting the gates of our lives with God's word. Can we say amen? amen. Okay, the, the, um, the next one, um, this is a scripture, and um, when we named our um, second son, uh, this is a scripture that, that God gave me in Deuteronomy uh, 33. It says about Asher, he said, most blessed of sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers. Let him bathe his feet in oil. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze and your strength will equal your days. Bible says of Asher that his gates will be strong. His gates will be powerful, that nothing of the enemy will get through his gates. The name Asher means happy. The joy of the Lord really is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your protection. The joy of the Lord really does give you victory. This scripture says that the enemy will not get through the gates of Asher. In other words, the, the enemy will not get through your joy. Joy protects you from the enemy joy protects you from fear joy protects you from all the the things of this world uh, joy in the bible is often linked with oil the the oil of joy and um what shepherds would used to do was they would, would take oil and they would rub oil on their sheep and that wasn't just so that their in fact i say it wasn't just it wasn't at all so that their sheep would smell nice because you can't make a sheep smell nice whatever you do um it was to protect the sheep from the parasites that would try and bury in the uh, um, wool. That's what sheep have, isn't it? I was going to say fur for a minute. Uh, sheep have wool. Um, yeah. The oil was a protection. The, uh, the, the joy of the Lord is your protection. It's your strength. It's your victory. 
when he is your joy, you are much likely to let anything else in. I don't know about you, but I sin more when I'm miserable. I get more grumpy and irritated and selfish when I'm miserable. But when I'm thinking of his joy, when my heart is full of joy, when the joy of the Lord is my strength, it becomes a gate that the enemy cannot get through. Joy is my victory, my protection, my shield. Joy is a choice, but it is also an anointing. It says that ashes' feet will be bathed in oil. The feet speak of your walk. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit cannot just be a goosebump that we have for a few minutes on a Sunday morning. No, I have to bathe my feet in oil. I have to walk in the Holy Spirit. I have to listen to the Holy Spirit every day. Spend time with the Holy Spirit every day. Listen to his voice. Do what he says. Walk in the Spirit and you are creating strong gates in your life that the enemy cannot get through. And, uh, and last one, the word of God, joy. And the last one, worship. Um, two Chronicles, this is uh, again uh, referencing the, the temple. Hezekiah assigned the priests and the Levites to divisions, each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks, and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. If you read David, Solomon, all the good kings after, after Solomon as well, they were very strategic in what they did with the worship team. They didn't just have a worship team and say, just sing wherever you want, do whatever you want. They took the worship team and they strategically placed the worship team at the gates of the temple. It was this symbolic, this prophetic act that nothing unclean can get through the worship. If we position the worship at the gates, what we're doing, we're creating a shield, a, a force that nothing evil can get through worship. How do you have strong gates in your life? You take God's word, you, you meditate on it, you focus on it, you, you get filled with the joy of the Lord, but then you become a worshiper. Fear cannot get through worship. Sin cannot get through worship. Unbelief, unforgiveness, jealousy, bitterness, all these things that, that daily bombard our gates, it cannot get through worship. Again, worship, if worship is just a 20-minute singing a few songs on a Sunday morning, you have no defense over the gates of your life. You have to fill your car with worship. You have to fill your home with worship. You, you know, yesterday I had a long drive. I spent the first few minutes listening to the House of Commons debating Brexit. And after about 10 minutes, I was like, I need deliverance here. I, I was like, I'm attracting so many demons in this car right now. I was like, turn this off, get some worship on. Um, 
Friends, we have to fill our lives, our homes, our minds, our ears, our hearts with worship. It's our strength. It's our fortress. It's our protection. Some of, some of you heard me tell you the story before about being in Africa and I was trying to cast a demon out of a, out of a young girl and the demon spoke to me and said, there are nine of us and we're not going anywhere. And it was like, I tried the whole pleading the blood thing and speaking the name of Jesus thing. And what do you do then? So me and the, the team that were with me, we just began to worship. Just began to sing and worship and praise Jesus. And after a few moments, a demon spoke again and said, can you stop singing? I don't like it. So we were like, let's sing louder. And one by one, the demons left that girl and she was totally set free, totally delivered. That's the power of worship. We have to strategically place worship in our lives as our defense against the enemy and against all the things of the world. Uh, now, the, the last few minutes, I, I've been speaking about the gates in terms of the enemy trying to come in and protecting, shutting the door, shutting the gates to the enemy. Uh, but who knows, there's someone that we need to open the gates to. Um, in, I don't know if I've got this scripture up. Uh, I think I have. Yeah, John 10. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Picture here is this. Jesus is kind of mixing metaphors. He's saying, you are a sheep, but you are also a gatekeeper. And he's saying, of himself, I am the gate, but I'm also the shepherd. And the picture is of the shepherd coming to the gate of the sheep pen. And now the gatekeeper has a choice. He can either keep the shepherd out or he can open up the gate and let the shepherd in. And right now, Jesus is stood at the gate of your life and my life. And Jesus wants to come in. He wants to fill our minds. He wants to fill our bodies. He wants to fill our hearts, our souls, our spirits. And there's so many, Jesus used another analogy later on. He said, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus stands at the gate of your life and he says, will you let me in? I want my presence to flood you. I want my power to invade your life. I want every area of your life to be touched and filled by my glory. Will we let him in this morning? Notice as it says, he calls his own sheep by name. So what he does is he calls, he speaks to each individual sheep and says, will you let me in? So this is not us as revived church saying, Jesus, we let you in. This is 
Jesus is not saying, revive church, will you let me in? He's saying, Andrew, will you let me in? Jared, will you let me in? Steve, will you let me in? He comes to each one of us individually and says, will you let me in? Jesus, I think it's before that, he says, the thief will just jump in. The thief doesn't, Satan is not waiting for your permission. He's just bombarding you continually. But Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not a thief. I wait for you to give me permission. Will you give Jesus permission to enter your home, your family, your finances, your circumstances? It's, it's in this passage that Jesus goes on to say, I have come to give you life and life to the full. When you open up the gates and allow him in, you are inviting in his abundant, overflowing life, a blessing, a favor of goodness. Will you let him in today? Psalm, I nearly finished, but uh, I've not gone as long as I thought I would, which is always nice, isn't it? Psalm, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, all you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, all you, all you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory. Here's the picture, gates that are shut. And on the other side is a king. A king of glory, a king of majesty, a king of power, a king who's victorious, a king that has overcome. And the Bible says that as those gates are lifted up, the king of glory comes riding in. Oh no, no, it's a good thing. <laughs> the king of glory wants to come in this morning. The king of glory, I think, why don't you come up worship team, I think we got a bit of time to let the king of glory come in. That sound all right? We've just been singing, haven't we? Blast from the past, behold he comes. Riding on the clouds, the king of glory's coming in. This morning, the king of glory wants to come and fill your life. The king of glory wants to come and fill your circumstances. The glory of God is this picture of a king riding in majesty, riding in glory, riding in power. This is Jesus this morning. Who wants Jesus to come in? When his glory comes, the enemy is silenced. When, when the king of glory comes, sickness vanishes. When the king of glory comes, fear has to go. When the king of glory comes, depression is broken. Strongholds come down. Captives are set free. Chains are broken. 
prison doors fly open, prisoners are released. When the King of glory comes, His provision comes, His wisdom comes, His joy comes, His anointing comes. Jesus, we lift up the gates of our hearts that the King of glory may come in. King of kings, mighty God, God, we lift up right now the gates. I lift up my mind gate. I lift up, I open my ear gate that you would speak. I open up my eye gate that I would see you. I open up my heart gate that you would flood my life. God, we open up the the gates of our homes for the King of glory. We open up the gates of our children's lives for the King of glory. God, with the King of glory, Come in through our financial gate. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me give you one, one more scripture. This is the result of the King of glory coming in. And, and I know that this is in context speaking about tithing. But it, I believe it's more than that. I think it's about worship. It's about obedience as well as giving. God says, if you test me, if you give, and I know it's finances, but it can be give your worship, give your life, give your obedience, give your, he says, if you test me, if you do this, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and I will pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. You see, not only do you have a gate, but heaven has a gate. And it goes back to the the two doors messages that Jared was bringing. If you open up the floodgates of your life for the King of glory, heaven will open up its floodgates to pour in so much blessing into your life. The picture is of of a great vast volume of water. And the floodgates are opened up. Not just to allow a little trickle through, but they're flung open. That a great deluge of water comes. So much so you can't contain it. God says, that's what my blessing is like. It's a tsunami of blessing. An abundance of blessing a mighty flood of the blessing of heaven and that's what I want to pour over your life I'm waiting for you to open up your gate that I cannot open up my gate